couple things. Um, <clears throat> tonight, it's McDonald's dessert night. So stick around. We're going to tear down and then go down to uh, Mickey D's. So if you want a McFlurry or a smoothie or something like that, I'll even buy you a hamburger. So come down. Okay, right after, right after this. Uh, and the other thing is, there's some interns here. If you're new here, I have two new, I have two interns that work with me. You saw Billy Jacobson right there and Anna Catherine over there. Okay, these people would love to take you to lunch. They would love to get to know you, talk with you. Um, so please make yourself available. It's free lunch, okay, or, or coffee or whatever. Also, David Green is my friend and area coordinator, and he, he lives in Lehigh, Pennsylvania, and uh, or is it Bethlehem? Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and uh, hi, Nicole. Um, and so he's here for the next, like, 18 hours, maybe, before he leaves. But if you'd like to talk to him about RUF, about internship, because a couple people did. We've got a couple people that are applying for the RUF internship that are sitting in this room right now, okay? Believe it or not, they are interested in being poor and going to some college around the country and working with students and doing doing what these you see these guys doing. So it's exciting. So um, Brian and Jason are kind of in the process, so we'll see. But seriously, if you're a junior or even a sophomore or freshman and you're thinking like, man, I'd like to be involved in ministry. I'd like to think about working with people. I mean, even if you did the internship and you don't go into the ministry, there's so many benefits, okay? Because it's about people. Whatever job you get, whether or not you're an engineer or a chemist or, you know, working in a laboratory all, all day, guess what? You got to relate to people. And the RUF internship will force you and grow you in your relationships with people. You will have to try to get together with freshmen who don't want to get together with you. And you'll have to be creative and think of ways to try to figure out how to get with them, okay? You'll, you'll have to like talk, to, you'll have to raise money. You'll, you'll get experience raising money. You'll get experience communicating, okay? Doing fundraising letters. I mean, there's a lot of skills that you learn in this intern, internship that will be excellent for any job. If you're an engineer, especially I was an engineer, you know how engineers make a lot of money? They're good communicators. The engineers that make a lot of money tend to be those that can talk and sell, okay? They get the contracts. They get the jobs, okay? Just saying. All right, so if you're an engineer and you're thinking about, you can just think about the RUF internship. Yeah, this is a this I'm doing a commercial here. What do you what do you got? Actually, real quick, give you one short example. One of the guys in our mine and captain's intern class, his name was Eric. He was uh, he went through fundraising this summer and wasn't able to raise his money, so he wasn't able to go to campus and he stopped working for well. But he gives updates on what he's doing with his life. He just got a really great job where he's at, and one of the reasons for that was because he told him in the interview he had to raise. $40,000 over the summer, and just the fact that he raised a lot of that on his own, by himself in his room with a telephone, Bonus. gave him the yeah. job, like, yeah, you know how to talk to people, you know how to do it, and, and he wasn't even a ministry job that he was going for, Yeah. but he raised money, so there you have he put him over in the conversation. Good, so David's here for 18 more hours, talk to him. Um, we're in John 10 tonight, this is, uh, if you've been around the church much, you've probably seen, or you've probably heard this passage, it's about... This idea of Jesus being the good shepherd. Okay, that's why we read Psalm 23 earlier. But um, before we read the passage, I want to tell you a little story. It's not really related to sheep, but kind of. 
Okay, when I was a kid, my, me and my cousins who lived next door, they were older than me, they were always into like building things. And we would build these Estes rockets and shoot them off in the backyard. Does anybody, does anybody ever do that anymore? But we would like, there was these kits and you would build the, these rockets and you would like have the fuselage, you'd put it together and glue it. And you, you know, like the little, the, the wings that go out, the, uh, and, and you would, uh, make the parachute, the plastic parachute and the strings and you would stuff it all in there. It was on a cone and there was like a launch pad you had and you would literally, you would, you would buy these, um, rocket boosters that were like serious, uh, and they would put these rockets up in the air about 700,000 feet. And then the, hopefully the parachute would come out and it would float down. Okay. So we would build these and my, grandfather owned a big piece of property behind where I live, about 17 acres. And so we would go up on the hill and like build these rockets and shoot them off. And uh, one day we shot one off. I mean, it really went up high. I mean, and, but the wind was blowing and it took, and the parachute came out and we could see that the rocket was going not anywhere near where we were standing. It was going literally probably about a half a mile, three quarters of a mile away on this other road. I kind of lived in a rural area. So the rocket is way over there. So we, I think we got my aunt or somebody to like get in the car and she took us over to where we thought the rocket was. And we saw the rocket. It was in the backyard, this family called the Hartmans. They lived there. And, but the problem was near where the rocket was, there was also a goat. The goat was tied up in the back of these people's yards. I kind of lived in the sticks, you guys. Okay. So the goat's tied up and, and so, I don't know if the, the rocket was right there or nearby, but I go within close proximity of the goat, and the goat did not like it. He did not like me. He did not like my voice, okay? And the goat literally, like, snorted and then butted me, head butted me, you know, like charged me and butted me, and, like, he had little horns. I mean, it was just like a little goat, but, gosh, I was a little kid. And he nailed me in the arm, and that hurt. And... uh this has nothing to do with this passage other than the fact that, like, if you get in a goat's territory and they don't like you, you're going to get hit, okay? And so, it's kind of related to this because we're talking about sheep, okay? We're talking about sheep tonight. And there's an issue here of this. The, the Lord uses this metaphor all through the Scriptures that God's people are, the sheep, are His sheep. And His sheep hear His voice. And this is a theme that goes throughout the Old Testament. And the issue, as we've been looking through John, is that the main shepherd is here. His name is Jesus. But his sheep, the people of Israel, are not listening to him. They're not hearing him. And especially the, the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, the religious right, I'm going to call them. They could not stand Jesus. Because he was calling them on the carpet. They didn't want him around. And so in this passage, you're going to see this idea of the good shepherd and the false shepherds. So if you have your Bibles, Bibles look or look up here, we're going to read uh, John 10, 1 to 21. Okay? So hear God's word. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. 
The sheep hear His voice and He calls His own sheep by name and leads them out. When He has brought out His own, He goes before them and the sheep follow Him for they know His voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from Him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what He was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before Me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by Me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. He, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own sheep and my own, she- and my own know Me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. This charge I have received from my Father. Now there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon! And and he's insane! Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let me just pray for a second. Lord, thank You for your word. Thank you that you are the good shepherd. And I pray that you would open our hearts to that idea. Lord, maybe we've never thought about that. Maybe we've never thought about uh, the shepherds in our life. We pray that you would help us in Christ's name. Amen. So we're all prone to listen to different shepherds in our life. We're, we're all prone to listen to voices. Voices in the culture. Voices of authority, maybe our parents, teachers, professors, intellectuals, the movies we watch. We are all prone to listen and to believe and to heed uh, these different voices. The question is, is what we hear true? Somebody had a card that said, what is truth? And that is the real question. You know, when, when we think about our lives, when we think about the messages that we hear, do we have the ability to discern what is the Good Shepherd? And so that's kind of what we're looking at here. How do we hear the voice of the Good Shepherd? That's what we're going to think about tonight for a couple of minutes. And the first thing is, the, good, the, the one who hears the Good Shepherd accepts the metaphor. Okay? The one who hears the Good Shepherd accepts a metaphor. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus is talking to us in this metaphor, and He's saying that you are like sheep. You are like sheep. Okay? Um, It's all over the Old Testament, as I talked about. We read Psalm 23 tonight. Um, David was a shepherd boy. He tended his father Jesse's flock. 
He knew how to protect the sheep. And in Ezekiel 34, there's an amazing passage about how the shepherds of Israel is what God calls them. Have Instead of feeding the sheep and helping the sheep, they've devoured the sheep and they've eaten the sheep. And it's Ezekiel the prophet is making an indictment on Israel that these shepherds, these leaders, these religious guys back in the Old Testament, instead of helping the people of God and preaching the truth and encouraging them to know the Lord and to walk with the Lord and to believe in the Lord, instead, they are stealing from them. Instead, they are literally devouring them. And so this metaphor is all over the place. And so you have to believe and you have to be okay with the fact that God is saying to you, you are a sheep. Now, what does that mean? If, do you know anything about sheep? I was talking about goats, okay. Uh, there is a book by this, this modern-day sheep herder. His, his name is Philip Keller, and he actually wrote a book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And there's really some interesting things about how he looks at the sheep. And he writes about them. So I want to read you some things just to help you understand who these sheep are. And in many facets, you'll see them as needy. (laughs) You'll see them as weak. You'll see them as fearful. You'll see them as easily annoyed, self-willed, dependent creatures. Okay, This is what God is saying about you, that you are sheep. So do you believe the metaphor about you? Okay, That's the question you have to come to. So here's what he says. He says um, they have endless care. Okay, sheep need endless care. He says, sheep do not just take care of themselves as some might suppose. They're not like a cat. Okay, I mean, I have a cat in my neighborhood. I don't know who feeds that cat, but it's, it's alive. It, it's, it lives. Its name is Blue. Um, it lives next door to me officially, but not really because he's never home and he hardly ever feeds it. But the people next door feed it. But cats are independent. They can live. They can survive. They can hunt. Sheep can't. Okay. Um, <laughs> He says this, they require more than any other class of livestock, endless attention, meticulous care. It is no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. The behavior of sheep and human beings is similar. Our mob instincts, our fears and timidity, just think of the Ebola scare, okay? Our stubbornness and stupidity, our perverse habits are all parallels of profound importance. Fear. He writes this, he says, listen to this. One day a friend came to visit us from the city. She had a tiny Pekingese pup along. Okay, think of that little doggy. Hops out of the car. As she opened the car door, the pup jumped out on the grass. Just one glimpse of the unexpected little dog was enough. In sheer terror, over 200 of my sheep, which were resting nearby, leaped up and rushed off across the pasture. Okay? As long as there is even the slightest suspicion of danger from dogs, coyotes, cougars, bears, or other enemies, the sheep stand up ready to flee for their lives. They have little or no means of self-defense. They're helpless, timid, feeble creatures whose only recourse is to run. He goes on. They're defenseless. Uh, He talks about there's two stray dogs that killed close to 300 sheep in a single night. I mean, think about that. That's like the walking dead right there. Um, They're self-willed. Okay, and this is Philip Keller, by the way, not Tim Keller, just just to let you guys know. Um, (laughs) Keller speaks about one of his most beautiful sheep that he called Mrs. Gadabout. Mrs. Gadabout, beautiful sheep. 
This one you produced more problems for me than almost all the rest of the flock combined. No matter what field or pasture the sheep were in, she would search all along the fences looking for a loophole she could crawl through and start to feed on the other side. Um, no she- and he said, no sheep in the, in the district had better grazing. With Mrs. Gadabout, it was an ingrained habit. She was simply never contented with the things as they were. Often when she had forced her way through some such spot in the fence, she would end up finding a bare, brown, burned-up pasturage of a most inferior sort. But she never learned her lesson and continued to fence crawl time after time. Eventually, she began to lead other sheep astray to such a point that in order to save the rest of the flock, he had to take the knife to her and butcher her. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. So, all right. So I'm 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 making this metaphor to you guys because this is what Jesus is saying. So, like, see, we don't know anything about like David grew up on a farm. He probably knows all about sheep. So hopefully, some of this relates. Um, but the point is, is Jesus is saying is this this is like who you are. We don't live in this agricultural climate anymore. We don't live. We don't know if you if you didn't grow up on a farm, you don't know about sheep. So Jesus is saying is like, I'm calling you guys sheep. That's not the greatest thing to be known for, okay? Uh, in, on one side. Um, you know, we're people who need to be led. We're led astray. Uh, we need to be protected all the time. We need people over us, watching us. Uh, we're dependent. And so do you agree with the metaphor? You know, biblically speaking, we need to understand that this is who God says that we are. We're needy dependent creatures were prone to wander as the hymn says so do you see your wandering heart do you see your fearful heart your timid heart you're always looking like mrs gadabout for that better that better field that greener pasture over there never satisfied with the nice pasture here and so our sin nature which we've inherited from adam and eve uh, which reveals itself in our thoughts and actions. Um, we long to be filled with something else other than God. And because of our sin, it's the reason why we have all these, uh, you know, our fears, the reason why we're timid, it's the reason why we're broken people. And so Jesus is saying, you have to accept the metaphor. This is who you are. That ultimately you're a sinner. And that's why in Isaiah 53 he says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. This is who we are. All of us have gone wrong. We've all sinned. We've all, we are all like sheep. I mean, this, this is something, if you're here tonight and you don't know where your heart is on these things or you're checking out Christianity or whatever, think about that. Like, Do you see timidity, fearfulness, sinfulness, longing for the other pastors in your life? Does that dominate you? Well, guess what? Cheer up, as they say. You're worse than you thought. Like, you're a sinner. And that's what... That's what God says about us, that we're sinners. And so we have to accept the metaphor. We're broken. We're sheep. And we need a shepherd. And so only when you're at that place can you listen for the good shepherd. Only when you're at that place. The second thing is this. Um, How else do we hear the voice of the good shepherd? Discernment. Discernment is the key for the Christian uh, because he needs to identify the false shepherds. Okay? Discernment. And so, if you see yourself as a sheep, then the metaphor continues. 
Jesus talks about two things in here. He says, I am the good shepherd, but he also says, I am the door. I am the door. What does that mean? Well, the sheep pen would often have, back in the day, they didn't really have wood fences, but they would have rocks all around the sheep pen in that, you know, in, in the Middle East. And then there would be an opening, and oftentimes there would be a gatekeeper who would stand there. The shepherd would come in through the gatekeeper. This was the door. And he's saying this, he's saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. In other words, the door was the normal place for the shepherd, the one who owned these sheep, to come in and to gather the sheep and then to take them out into the green pasture. And he's saying that if you see somebody jumping over the fence or coming in the back door, that's not... That's not the true shepherd. That's not the good shepherd. And so, uh, just like if you were to come into University of Maryland after 10 p.m., okay, what do you got to do? You got to go through one of the gates. Got to show your ID, you know, because uh, you won't be able to go in with your car in any other way because they want to know who you are. They want to. They want you to come through that gate. If you're trying to sneak on, uh, the University of Maryland police will... See to it that you have a nice time in the jail cell that night. Um, but practically speaking here, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I, He keeps repeating this, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before Me are thieves and robbers, but the, but the sheep, the true sheep, did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by Me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus is putting a limit on here. He's like saying this is the litmus test for how you know good shepherds. How do you know if someone's a true shepherd, a good shepherd? What's the litmus test? He says they have to enter by the door. And Jesus says, I am the door. So Jesus is saying that the litmus test for the true shepherd is that they have to abide in Jesus. They have to be people who believe who Jesus is, understand who Jesus is, And these are the ones that are the true and the good shepherds. You see, as he's talking, he's talking with the crowds, the disciples, and also the religious Pharisees who were totally against him. These were the ones who were leading the sheep of Israel away. These are the ones that were saying, Jesus has a demon. He is not God's son. And all that Jesus did constantly was the miracles proving again and again that He was God's Son. And they are saying no, because their hearts are captivated by sin and darkness. And so Jesus is trying to say, these guys over here are not the true shepherds. I am the true shepherd. Why? Because I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus is contrasting again and again. He's saying these guys they are the ones that climb in by some other way. Some other way. They want to have a righteousness that's not about Jesus. It's about themselves. It's about keeping the law. It's about doing what they want to do. They're thieves and robbers and murderers. They come to only steal, kill, and destroy. Overall, the Pharisees were known as basically rich guys who controlled their money. Yeah, they had the law, but they were also, their status was one of um, uh, upper class uh, they were ones who were rich in that society and did not care. 
even for their parents. They're strangers. They do not follow His voice. There's no recognition. Jesus has become a friend of sinners. He's a friend. These guys are not friends. They're strangers. And so their fruits are revealing again and again that they know nothing of Jesus. They know nothing of faith in Him, of salvation. They know nothing that they are believing the Savior and believing the Gospel. And so, for us, it's the same way. As you think about... uh, you know, how do you determine? How do you discern what is truth and false? You know, maybe you go to a church or you hear some message. Well, you determine that by going back to the scriptures and saying, is that in line with the door? Is that in line with Jesus? Is that in line with what Jesus taught? Or is that just somebody's ideas? Even for me, if you're hearing me saying wild stuff, like you need to say, Chris, like we need to talk. Because, you know, a true shepherd is underneath the authority of Jesus and His Word. Like we talked about in John 1. Jesus said, I am the Word. You know? The Logos. And so, how do we know true shepherds? Well, these are people that look to who Jesus is. And they believe who Jesus is. They believe um, the Gospel, the good news. That it's not about themselves, but it's the whole Bible is about this message of Jesus. So if you're listening, if you're in a church or something, you visit a church, and they never open this, like, flee, run. <laughs> or if they do open this, but you never hear Jesus and you never hear the cross, you never hear about sin, and you never hear about uh, the fact that Jesus is our substitute and we He died on the cross for us and He rose again for us. If you never hear... Faith in that. If you never hear what we talked about tonight, justification, those ideas, you need to run. You need to get out of there. It doesn't matter how nice the people are, how great the music is, okay? If you're not hearing the gospel, you're not hearing the true shepherd, okay? So run, flee. The third thing is this. We listen to the voice we know we listen to the voice of the true shepherd when we bow to the Lamb. We know we listen to the voice of the true shepherd when we bow to the Lamb. Okay, what do I mean? Well, <laughs> in this passage, Jesus continually says something. I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is a theme throughout here. He talks about Himself as the door, the entryway, the litmus test for truth. But He also says... I'm the one who laid down my life for the sheep. Verse 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 15, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me, because why? I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one can take it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. Jesus is saying a lot here. But He's ultimately saying that I've come as a substitute. The shepherd has become the sheep. Think about that. The shepherd has become the sheep. Remember going way back to John, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, Behold, guys, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Isn't this amazing? The shepherd, the good shepherd, leaves, leaves heaven, leaves his reign on high, and he says, I am going to become a sheep. A stupid, dumb sheep. I am going to take all the sins of my people 
and be led like a sheep to the slaughter is what Isaiah says and doesn't open his mouth so that I can bring you guys all into my sheep pen and we can have a happy time on the farm forever. Okay, that is what he is saying. He said, the shepherd is becoming a sheep and he is going to the slaughter. He's laying it down. And it's amazing. It is amazing to think that God, the good shepherd, is also the one who is this lamb, spotless. And yet he takes all of our sin, all of our Mr. and Mrs. Gad about, going after all kinds of different idols, all kinds of different things, trying to find our satisfaction in ourselves, in our surroundings, in people, in relationships, you name it. We are, you know, we have idolatrous hearts. And we're trying to find all that. And Jesus is saying, I'm going I'm to become the sheep that is slain for you. So that you can have peace with me. And so Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And each of us has turned his, his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And he was thinking about... In the Old Testament, the the uh, how the when the sacrifice happened, the priest would put his hand upon the slain sheep and his hand upon the father of the household, and the sins would be transferred to the animal. And Jesus is that sheep. So this is the gospel. This is the good news. And so Jesus says here that I have authority to do it. I have authority to take to lay it down and I have authority to take it up. Because I'm doing the Father's will. And he was saying in that moment that again, I am God. I have ultimate authority. I am the good shepherd who's going to lay down my life for the sheep and I'm going to be raised again and I am God on high. And they start arguing at the end saying he's got a demon and others said no, this really is God. So there were some there believing. There were some there saying, yes, this is the good shepherd because he opened the eyes of the blind in John 9. And we know that only God can do that. So we are going to believe him as the good shepherd. And so ultimately, you only hear the voice of the good shepherd when you believe. You only hear the voice of the good shepherd when you bow your other voices to the one good shepherd voice of Jesus. And then life makes sense. Then hope comes in. Then joy comes in. Forgiveness comes in. Because you bowed, you said, no, I believe you. I believe that voice, the good shepherd. What other shepherd in your life is laying down his life for you? Jesus is the good shepherd. Let me pray. Lord, thanks for just this analogy, this amazing metaphor that you give. Lord, we're cut to the heart by it in some senses because we see that we are like dumb sheep. I see my life such a dumb sheep so much of the time. But yet, Jesus, you love the sheep and you lay down your life for us. Lord, help us to get a hold of that. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing one more song. And... uh and then please, please join us down at Mickey D's, okay?